then the Academy Awards, Steve Martin actually called me up. I didn't even know he knew who I was and asked me to be one of the writers on the Academy Awards. And I said, but Steve, I've never written for anybody except me. I don't know how to do it. And he said, it's so easy. You write for yourself and then you give it to me. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And I said, but if it's not funny, I'm going to feel bad. And he said, it will be my fault. So I said, okay. Then, And I was so much fun. Tokyo tonight. Hello, I just got over the intro. So, you know, <laughs> I, I threw up over there. Oh, okay. <laughs> and I'm fine. Uh -huh. That's usually how it goes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. I'm glad. I should have briefed you. I feel bad. <laughs> it is one of those things that I forget about constantly. And then so we have a, a like a nice guest on or like a distinguished guest. And they're like, okay, okay. Um, what should I do here? There was absolutely nothing pink. And I am, I'm a, a fan of pink. So oh, next yeah. time put a bunny, a flower, just something pink. I will absolutely add a bunny okay. in for you. That'd be, I'll be like, but I'm aware, I'm bunny. aware of the, the, the world. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's oh, kind of a bummer. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Though. So this is, uh, I, I have a couple of your other books. This is, um, is this your first time kind of dabbling into like, uh, past events, memoir area, like getting into it nostalgia? Is. Now, I'd always been thinking of writing, um, it's not called an autobiography anymore. It's a memoir. Right. So it's not spaghetti, it's pasta. It's not <laughs> uh, It's not hitchhiking, it's Ubering. You, there are all right. these different things that we have to, you know, we have to get acquainted with. Right. So I, I've been thinking about doing this and I kind of dabbled and I started writing it because I had like a whole, you know, I, I've had a few lives. I'm like Shirley MacLaine, only I have pictures. So <laughs> I went and I, because I was, you know, I was a dancer for 10 years on Broadway. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, when I was 27, I learned how to talk. I was a late talker. And then I became a comedian. And I said, you know, all I, I work with so many great people on Broadway. And I want to remember everything. And then the pandemic happened. And then I got tired of doing jigsaw puzzles. And I said, well, this is what I wanted to do. So this is the time I should do it. Nice. The uh, universe is telling me to do it now. So I did. Yeah. Was it was it kind of fun for you to go back through all that stuff? Like, are you good with nostalgia and like handling it and dipping into the memories? It was because it, you know, I I had everyone looks at me and they think, oh, she kind of skated through life, and because I I stand up straight and I don't <laughs> swear on stage, I do in my real life, but we don't have to right. go into that. And um, I just have like a. A, a, an image that people thought it might be easy that I didn't have to go through all things that people have to go through and did. So, I mean, I had a rough childhood. I, you know, I left home at 15. I'm, I'm surprised. I really am proud of myself that I didn't end up in a gutter because wow. it could have happened when you leave home. I have no parental guidance. Mm -hmm. I just kind of went on my own. I lived by myself and I just turned out okay. So I was kind of very proud of that. Yeah. <laughs> and I wanted to go through how all that happened. So that's what I did. And I divided it up into my five dogs because I've always had dogs and they've always been my companion. And my little, my latest dog, Betsy, is down here underneath this uh, this desk over here because she follows oh. me everywhere and she's the best little dog and she um, my other dog died during the pandemic and oh. then oh, I was without a dog for about I don't know six months and then I started looking around and one of my friends was involved with a rescue um, organization called the Little Red Dog and they had just oh. rescued this little dog who was on the streets of Hollywood starving with a broken leg and an unproduced screenplay. And I said, I need this dog. So I took this little dog in. She weighed seven pounds and had one leg going like this. And now she's the best little dog. And I'm going to bring her up in a minute because she's right. She's asleep now, but I'll wake her up over there. So, oh, beautiful. Anyway, so and I always grew up with dogs because I'm an only child. And, uh, you know, when I was a kid, uh, it was my 
my um, brother, my, my sister, because Tiny was a girl. And Tiny was mm -hmm. a German Shepherd, and I was evidently unaware how big she would get because I named her Tiny. And um, <laughs> I, I didn't know a lot. Yeah. And then when I lived by myself in New York, I and I went on the road with a show called Zorba when I mm -hmm. was 16. I, start, I got my equity card when I was um, just 16, and I went on the road for a year with this show called Zorba with John Rait and Cheetah Rivera. Do you know any of these people or are I they do. from the past? Yeah, no, 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 I know mm -hmm. them, yeah. You know, John Rait, well, John Rait was a really good singer and Cheetah Rivera yep. was, is an all-time great entertainer. And no one would really talk to me. So I, again, I adopted a little stray dog. Well, and then she got, oh God. They said, oh, this is a little poodle mixture. Well, it turned out it was a standard poodle in Afghan that was oh um, in some kind of shelter and she ended up huge. And I was traveling around the country with this huge hairy dog. And there are pictures in there of my huge hairy dog, but I needed someone to talk to. Yeah, yeah. everybody else was an adult. So Agatha was kind of, you know, my best friend. And um, then I had Bonkers, which was a, from a rescue in Las Vegas. And he was in wow. my shows for years. He played all the casinos with me. And there's oh good God. stories. About, I'm talking too much. You talk. No, no, no. No, no. You're I'm good. enjoying it. I love this. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I'll tell you the story of Bonkers because um, my husband had never had a dog because his mother was crazy. His mother didn't even allow his father in the house. So um, <laughs> this was, this was a, a dog who got hit by a car. And had not, what am I? What's with me and dogs with broken legs? But anyway, <laughs> so so we uh, adopted Bonkers, and then I started working a lot in Las Vegas. And mm -hmm. I was on our, the way to Las Vegas to do a show at the MGM. And I called up and I said, "By the way, I'm bringing my dog with me." And he was another. He was a combination Wheaton and sheepdog. Again, big hairy wow. dog. And um, they said, "Well, no dogs are allowed in the hotel because of insurance." And if the dog bites somebody, we're going to go broke. So you can't have a dog in the hotel unless he's in the show. So mm -hmm. ding, 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 ding. That night, Bonkers was in the show. And nice. he didn't do anything. He just would come on stage. And whatever he was already doing, I would quickly tell him to do. And <laughs> he was a sensation. And he played every. He played about eight casinos uh, for about 10 years in Las Vegas. And he was he was the best ever. Wow. And then um, my daughter didn't like him because, again, she was little and he was, you know, a 70-pound, big, hairy monster. Sure. So then we had a little dog, Twinkle, that somebody gave us. And then Twinkle didn't have any broken legs. <laughs> I don't know what happened. I would, I'm going to have to go back and break her leg. But, um, and she, but she passed away during the pandemic, and now we have Betsy. So those are all my dogs. And so my life is divided up into my dogs. Oh, that's awesome, though. That's a, what a great way to divide your life up. I would love if you were like, she didn't have any broken legs, but she did have a broken spirit. Uh, we oh, wore her down. there's um, no broken spirits here until I look at that end, that um, video. Intro. Uh, that I know. The show. I'm, I'm oh, going to get rid of it just for you now. That's my, that's no, my goal. No, because we have to be aware and then we have to have fun after that. Absolutely. That's thank you. You know, Martin, who's I, who I've been married to for 700 years now. And I say, you know, life is tough. Wear expensive shoes because if your feet <laughs> feel good, it like permeates through your body because who wants to have your feet not feel good? Yeah. You were talking that you said something interesting before about um, uh, cultivating kind of, you know, the personality that you had, like cause you had a lot of stuff happen to you, um, obviously, in your personal life, but you chose not to have that show in your professional life, in your comedy career. Was that something that you had decided? Because that's a hard decision, I think, to make when you're going into comedy. You have to decide who you are and what your persona is going to be on stage. Was that a conscious decision, though, to go, OK, I'm going to leave that stuff behind and my comedy is going to be uh, a different animal? Well, I did include a lot of my comedy. Uh, my, my comedy included a lot of my kind of my fantasy life, mm -hmm. but and because I am I'm Jewish, and I said let's you know first of all let's talk about being Jewish. So yeah. mm -hmm. one of my first jokes was I come from a typical middle class Jewish family. We were very wealthy, and um, <laughs> that was not re my real life because we weren't right. very wealthy. But I said, how do I make that funny? So mm -hmm. I switched it. And then I was an, an, my, I was an overprotected child. My tricycle had seven wheels and a driver. You know, <laughs> things like that. Because I was overprotected until my mother got sick. And then everything kind of changed. Right. And, you know, all the focus was on my mother, who died very young. So mm. I kind of made a fantasy life that was a part of my real life. Right. And it included who I really was. 
and um, but not the bad parts because no one wants to hear the bad parts really. They want to come to laugh, and I don't want to bum people out and they go, you know, boy, that was a sad comedy show. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm taking no notes of that. Speak. I mean, no yeah. one wants to say that was a sad comedy show. I just absolutely. Saw. Yeah, it's so, so funny I don't how many the sadness. It's so funny how many people think that we like whatever we say is absolutely 100% true. And I'm like, no, that's not real. Or no, my father didn't do, you know, or like, you know what I mean? Like, it's such a weird thing to have to explain to people now because I feel like people are so literal with like everything. It's so bizarre. Well, everything has changed so much now. People say, you know, they when my I'm doing a show and sometimes people come up to me and they said, you know, do you have advice for me? And, you know, I don't because I grew up again. That was, I think the 80s was such a great, interesting and the 90s yep. for comedy when it was catch a rising star and the improv and the comedy seller and mm. it was most of these comedians that you know were around then are still around yeah and yeah. one of my best friends louis anderson who i worked with forever you right. know recently passed away but you know mm. he was somebody that um was in the clubs with me and you know, Jerry was there and Bill Maher was there and Richard Belzer. And oh. it was just a time that I don't think can be recreated because I don't know if I think people that go on YouTube and it's kind of an isolated art yes. where it used yeah. to be a community art. Right. Where we would all get together and write jokes together and try out material, Gilbert Gottfried. And yeah. um, so and I have to say, I, I really wanted to write this book, too, because Times are changing and baby boomers are baby boomers are going bye-bye. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. You know? yeah. And I look back at the Rodney Dangerfield special and so many of my friends, you know, it, you're gonna it's gonna end at some point, and I wanted to write everything down. Yeah, I love that though, because that's so important. Like that's when I was growing up. I mean, I have I literally do have like I have like a bunch of comedians books. I just got to speak to Paul Reiser and hang out with him. Paul and I, I worked together all the time. We were, you know, always in the clubs together. He was such a great guy. I mean, he is a great guy. Yeah. But he would I remember there um he would just come to the club and call and say, Is there anybody left down there? And they'd say, There's one person, and he'd say, Is he a laugher? Because if he's a laugher, I'm coming. <laughs> and Paul and I did this gig, and he'll tell I don't know if he remembers because he, you know, we all do so many, but I just remember we did this gig in Canada a couple of years ago mm -hmm. and everybody was so nice to us. And they, it was a beautiful hotel and a car came and picked us up at the hotel and then put it backstage. And, you know, we had night coffee backstage and everybody was there. So we did the show and at the end of the show, everybody was gone. And we didn't know how to get out of the theater. And well, so this is just typical show business. They got what they wanted from us. And now they're just left here. And we're going down hallways trying to find the exit door. And we had no idea how to get out. And maybe it's a Canadian thing because it just happened to me about two weeks ago. I was in Canada again. And it mm -hmm. was such a nice show and a great hotel. And they met me and they took me the, the, the things. And the show was great. And at the end, I just said, how do I get out? And I <laughs> walked around the halls. I said, maybe in Canada, this is what they do with comedians. They let them find their way out. And But they're very nice when they put them in. So oh, I know, call me if anyone else has had this experience. In <laughs> I absolutely will. I love how they've turned it into an escape room for you guys. Like, yeah, yeah we're doing what this. What it conference. was. <laughs> and door number one or door number two. How do we go? I swear, Paul and I were going down hallways for 20 minutes. You better scour the internet and make sure they didn't film you guys doing it like they're pitching a reality show like Rita Rudner and Paul Reiser alone. That would be funny. I would, then I would approve. I would, I would absolutely watch that. Funny, I approve. But to me, this was inconsiderate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we always had fun. And what's important was they laughed. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And you were mentioning Louis Anderson before, too, who I absolutely love, too. But he started out opening for you, right? You used to take him on the road with you or vice no, versa? No, we were co-headliners. Co-headliners. Wow. Okay. Always Headliners, because we met at on the Rodney Dangerfield special, mm -hmm. um, where with because um, Rodney again, uh, I got to write about Rodney in my book too, who was so nice to me, mm. and he saw me um, at, at uh, Catch Rising Star one night, and said, um, "Come over here, I'd like to talk to you," and I said, "Oh, thank you so much, it's Rodney Dangerfield," and he said. It takes a long time, kids. Sometimes you never make it. And I went, wow. well, thank you for, for that. Yeah. And he said, 
Thank you for the encouragement. And he said, but but then he continued and he said, but you're funny and I'd like you to be on my um, comedy special. And I went, yes, wow. please. Mm. So, and then he was such a sweet guy. And there were so many people on that special. I mean, Sam yeah. Kennison was a friend of mine too. Wow. Who, that was like the special where he, he broke out. So it was, uh, it was quite an honor that he did that. And Ronnie was always very nice to me. That's awesome. That's the one thing like I, I, I really wish I'd gotten to meet Rodney at some point because he just I think he loved comedians in a way that most people probably do. like most people in the industry probably don't. Do I saw like, him a joke. Oh, nice. Do you remember what it was? Yes, it was terrible. And it's not politically <laughs> correct. It was, oh, okay. it, was, it was a she was so fat joke. And I'm not allowed to say fat anymore. You're so I've changed the word in my act. And okay. when, whenever I have the word fat, I've changed it to delicious. Ooh. And I say, it's not fat, it's delicious. So um, I don't want to get bad mail. No, so. no. Yeah, I understand. Okay. So, um, but it was, okay, it was, can you go back in time? It mm -hmm. was in the 80s, 90s, and he mm -hmm. used to do the so fat jokes. And he said, I, okay, she was so fat, I got on top of her, my ears popped. That was the joke. <laughs> and he paid me $50. <laughs> but don't tell anybody, because that is... Uh, it was just one of the things I thought of. And I said, Rodney, over here, do, is this anything? $50, right? Oh, wow. wow. That's that's fucking awesome. Um, I like that you guys, you were talking about the camaraderie and stuff like that before. And that's something you're right, I think has changed, like, which just kind of bums me out because that's what I used to read about. Everybody was like back in the day, like all hooked on stuff. Did you guys, uh, was it something that you were aware of at the time? Like, did you, like, because a lot of you like branched off to do amazing stuff. Like, really, when you think about it, like the whole history of comedy is like 80s and 90s and everybody got a TV show. Everybody was doing movies. Did you guys were you aware of it at the time or were you just working and moving forward? I wasn't. I was aware that I was working and moving forward, mm -hmm. but I wasn't aware how it was such a special time mm -hmm. until later. But what happened was the convergence. Is that a word? Yeah. Table so. and comedy. Mm -hmm. because cable needed cheap entertainment and comedians all we needed was a microphone right so mm -hmm. it was the those two things a confluence of events mm -hmm. oh i'm so educated good. and i left i didn't go to any schools really so <laughs> i um but i did once read a book so um <laughs> just kind of evolved that those two things came together and that was a boom time for comedy right and also yeah. david letterman Oh yeah, was, you know, started and he was in New York and he was everybody's idol and getting on the David Letterman. I have all, in my book, I have all about um, getting on the David Letterman show and how that right. happened. And everything was very exciting then. And New York was kind of, you know, the place to be. And I think now it's, it's very, very spread out. But yeah. I don't think it's any worse. Things just change. And things are different, you know? Yeah. So, and, it, and I, and maybe even bit for the better to certain, to some extent too. I mean, like even, even after COVID, I kind of, I think the comedy clubs kind of held on to what you guys did. You know what I mean? Because you guys were such a unique group of entertainers and group of comedians that they gave the comedy clubs prestige because they were like, yeah, we created, you know what I mean? They got to say like, we uh, created so-and-so and we got all these people and they're the ones who hone their material here with us. And you could do the same thing. And then they held on to that for a few decades when it really wasn't the case anymore because nobody Absolutely. was coming out. Yeah. yeah and, and now, now Catch a Rising Star is gone. Like Catch a Rising Star is gone. The comic strip's not what it was. I mean, mm -hmm. there's still like those, those core clubs, like the comedy seller and the comedy store are like, I mean, every every celebrity comic drops in there. You know what I mean? Those are like the two meccas, I think. Uh, and the improvs, obviously. But the improvs, I think, are more established and they're all around the country, whereas the comedy yeah. store is only like... That's a different thing. The improvs yeah. became a franchise. Right, exactly, yeah. And they weren't exclusively a New York club anywhere. But the, the um, improv in New York was a really, really special place because right. it was really down and dirty. Yeah. And I remember um, I was in Annie on Broadway at the time mm -hmm. and I would go and, you know, look first. Well, first I wasn't allowed to, to go in and I, I, everything, every Tuesday or every Monday was audition night and you'd wow. have to go and bring a, a, a blanket and get and sit on the floor all day and then see if you got a number and then, the same thing with Catch a Rising Star. And then you get the privilege to hang out for free, which Chris <laughs> Albrecht, who then became head of HBO, HBO and yeah. stars and all these things, 
Um, he was the one who passed me finally when I auditioned at two in the morning with nobody there and I was allowed to watch comedians and and it was really a, a, a great time and then it became um, a phenomenon in New York mm. and all these places had comedy nights and they were really just bars and they'd rented a microphone and mm. there was one right across the street from Annie. I was It was called the Alvin Theater at that point and there was a little place called the uh the the triple yield triple in and they did comedy one night a week and i would go over there after annie because i could get on because nobody knew about it yet so you would just get on any place you could and just talk into a microphone and it i'm so glad i did that all the things that i did um i did by accident but they were good things it turned out i just like doing them that's what i tell my daughter as long as you like doing it it's okay was that like, were you uh, communicating with your parents at the time? Because I can't imagine being, uh, you know, a young woman in New York at the time having to sleep on a blank, you know, staying on a blanket until two o'clock in the morning to go in the club. Because I know, you know how everybody now, especially in my generation and the generation coming up, I feel like we're, they're very, very, very close to their parents and not at all, you know, the helicopter parent kind of thing. But I feel like you guys, like when you left, they were like, see you later. No cell phone, no whatever. No cell you know. phones, no, no FaceTime. Right. No, no- no, uh, you know, I would, there was a payphone when I uh, moved in. I stayed at the Barbizon Hotel for Women. Oh, okay. Uh, for the first, let's see, September, October, November, four months before I went on the road with Zorba. Oh, wow. And my dad um, paid for the room because I had no money and mm. paid for all my classes. And I would go down once a week and call them collect and say, hi, how are you? But then it's, oh gosh, it it all, my mother died. And then he married this woman who hated me. And then she didn't want me in the house anymore. And then I was always a mess. Uh, So so that's how it happened. I'm sorry. I feel like it's such an interesting story. And I know you're such a happy person, but it's so intriguing. I'm going to buy this book just to read the back end of this story. (laughs) I didn't hear about my stepmother. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, here's a picture. Were they <laughs> were they cool with you doing stand? What was it like? Was that an understood thing at the time? Because I feel like that was a hard thing to explain back then, right? Well, my father, when you know, I started getting into these Broadway shows, and it's hard to get into a Broadway show. Yeah, yeah. it's hard to get in. You know, an equity card, and I was I started dancing when I was four, and I was just okay. one of the things that I was that was the only thing I was good at. I was a good mm. dancer. I was very limber. I could turn. I could jump. I could do all the and so. I started getting, I started working, um, skipping school when I was 14 and taking buses to Miami Beach and to get on in a show in Miami Beach because they started doing theater and I got in Stop the World I Wanted to, I Stop the World I Want to Get Off and they paid me $100 a week and I was so excited and I just said I was in the hospital and they sent my work home. I was, you know, it was a very strange childhood. And then um, when I started getting into shows, my dad just wasn't a, a show guy. She mm. didn't like shows. So uh, I and I was in good shows. I was in Promises, Promises, and we right. Michael Bennett yeah. choreographed. And I was in the show of the time, which was Follies, and that was Hal Prince. And Zorba was Hal Prince and Michael Bennett. And my dad, she said, "Don't get into more any more Hal Prince shows because they're so." Bo-. And I said, "Oh my God, you have no idea." Yeah. <laughs> hard it is to get into the shows and then i got into annie and he said oh rita carol this is the worst show in the world you know don't make me sit through this he just wasn't that kind of guy but then when i got into comedy by that time i think when after my stepmother died we got closer because he wasn't it was a whole different relationship so we did get a much closer relationship after she passed away and he loved that i did comedy so he said, because I would never, ever think that that's something you would ever do in your life and that you're doing it is the most fantastic thing ever. So he was very supportive of me doing comedy. But by that time, I was 30. Oh, wow. <laughs> so it took him a while. Yeah, that's very sweet, though. Yeah, but he absolutely, I mean, he would stay up and um, whenever I was on David Letterman and he would always stay up and watch and call me and, you know, he was, he was really a big fan, but mm. he just didn't like Broadway shows. So I just oh. stopped telling him that I got in a Broadway show again. <laughs> That's so amazing too, right? Like you, you weren't a good dancer. You were a great dancer. So to make it no, too I, I was a working dancer. I was yeah. a working dancer all the time. Yeah. 
Did you, was there any point in your time where you, where you really thought about maybe I have to choose between this uh, dancing and comedy? Like, or was oh, it yeah, a period? After Manny, I said I was 27 when I started almost, and 28, when I started almost um, getting on shows. Bill Maher was the one who uh, let me, when I was silver, who was Bud Friedman's ex-wife and she got the comedy club in the divorce. And yes. for some reason she didn't like me. And she just would say, pull me aside and say, if you don't go to a voice coach, I'm not going to let you on anymore. What the fuck? And I said, well, I, I just don't get it. <laughs> you know, I have, I was had a part on Broadway in Annie. So he, they, my voice was okay for that. But it, he said, yeah. she said, you don't sound like a comedian. And I went, well, you know, but the audience was laughing. So I, I was getting on two in the morning and Bill Mark came in one night and said, why aren't you getting on? Cause you're funny. And I said, I don't know. He said, well, I'm the MC over Catch a Rising Star. So uh, why don't you come over there and, you know, I can get you on there. So that was a really big step for me, but it was complicated because I had to take two buses and get a transfer because the improv was really good because I could just walk from Annie at the Albin Theater and go to the improv. But I had to get a one cross town and downtown to get. So I said, well, this is a commitment. I'm going to take the two buses because I couldn't afford the taxi. So. Right. And buses were very helpful in those days because I could always go over my material while I was on the bus oh, and nice. figure out what, I, you know, in taxi, you're looking at the meter. But in the bus, <laughs> you go, I'm just going to look at my jokes. So really, I spend a lot of my career on buses. I remember Sinbad telling me uh, that he had like, uh, he had ridden the bus for free. There's a lot of bus drivers that gave him like, this one guy gave him rides for free going to and from comedy clubs back in the day. And then when he finally made it, he remembered the bus driver and like gave him a bunch of money or something like that. Cause he was like, you always Ooh. let me ride for free. But like, that's like a nice thing that like, there's a nice community there too. Well, I did a bus tour with, are you ready for this? I don't know if you're going to know these people, but I'm going to say them. Well, you'll know, Emo, you know, Emo Phillips. Oh, emo Phillips. Yeah, absolutely. Me, Emo and Larry Bud Melman. Oh my God. David Letterman show. Now, if that isn't a trio, that's amazing. But and we did a little um tour and Larry Bud bought his friend. I can't remember his friend's name, but he bought one of his friends. And we did all these little um colleges. It was a college tour. Me, Emo, and Larry Bud Melman. And Emo was Emo's very funny, and he's very funny in person too. And we would go and I was um I still am. I'm very, uh, I have to do something, go to a gym. I have to swim. I have to play tennis. I have to do, I have to do something. Otherwise I get crazy because right. I, I grew up so athletic and, uh, Emo and I would go when we were in a hotel, we would always find a pool and we would go swimming and Emo would always go get out of the pool and say, Rita, tell me the truth. Am I looking too muscular for my character? <laughs> <laughs> I said, no, Emo, you're still very skinny. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll <laughs> be okay. And I remember we got to this one gig and um, it was a big room and there were all these folding chairs at this in this high school or college or whatever it was. And they said, okay, you can start putting the chairs up now. <laughs> and we didn't want... We didn't want Larry Budd to have to do it and his friend because they were 80 years old, you know. Yeah, yeah. So Emo and I went, okay. And we just kind of just put up all the chairs. And then um, they had a little buffet and Emo always took all the coleslaw. And we <laughs> we put, and then we put the chairs back. And uh, But, you know, we were very easy to get along with. And it was a real fun tour. And every time we'd pass a, um, a Taco Bell, Larry Budd would always go, Mexican's nice. Because <laughs> you'd always want us to. <laughs> At the Mexican restaurant. Mexican's <laughs> nice. Okay. So, anyway, so I had a lot of these silly memories and I wrote them all in my book and there's more where that came from. So there. I know that there was like, you know, you got on Carson. I think the path back then was like Carson and then, you know, maybe you got a TV show. Did you, you've, you've been a, like a stand up forever though. Like you really, I mean, obviously you're amazing at it, but like you really seem to love it. Did you have any other, uh, any in mind of like getting a TV show kind yeah, of being a writer? A TV show. Yeah. I always had lots of pilots. Yeah. And um, in fact, Martin, my husband, Martin and I, we just looked at one of my first pilots because uh, one of the people contacted us, me on Facebook and wanted to know about, and it was still funny, but mm. it's, just uh, you have to really hit the right mark at the right time. Right. You have yeah. to get lucky. You have 
Yeah, you have to. Martin, Martin's right here. He said you have to be a man, but <laughs> he's funny. That's why I married him. He always, he's always funny. He, that's how I met. One of the reasons I went into comedy was I wanted to meet a funny man because I liked funny men, mm -hmm. and I said, "Where are funny men?" Comedy, because I was a dancer, and you meet funny men dancing, but. Anyway, so um, <laughs> I see where you're going. <laughs> some of them are delicious. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> no, so I just I said, where am I going to meet a funny man? It's going to be in a comedy club. And I started liking comedy. And that's how I met Martin, because he came into the Catch a Rising Star once. And he was um, he he hired me to do a show at the Edinburgh Festival. Oh, wow. New York stand-up comedy, and it was me, Richard Jenny, and who I'm, and Larry oh Amaros, who I know, I's my poor friend Richard Jenny. I love and Richard Larry, Jenny. And Larry Amaros and Bill McCarty, and oh, we, wow. the four of us, did the Edinburgh. What that was the four? No, wait, I got it wrong. I got it wrong. Who was it? <laughs> oh, it was Bill, Larry, and me. And who did I say it was? But Richard Jenny was a different one. I did Australia with Richard Jenny. I'm sorry, I got confused. This is why he had to help me with the book. Because I've done a lot of shows. It was Richard Jenny and Kelly Rogers was in Australia. Was Larry there? <laughs> Come over here, Martin. Say hello. Yeah, say hi. Larry, wait, okay. It was Kelly was in Sydney. And then Larry, where was Larry? Larry's <laughs> But that's where he lives now. What I love I this. I feel like I'm back home in Brooklyn. I just people oh shouting God. from a room to room. Like I know, I'm so bad. I, and then I one random person. All the like times in my book, and Martin had to straighten them all out and everything. But, <laughs> that's so great. In, in Australia, it was, it was very far away from the Edinburgh Festival. <laughs> the Edinburgh Festival. It was me, Bill McCarty, and Larry, and that's who. Okay, that's who that was. And wow. the, and um, 1984, it was. That's wow. where I was born. Oh my gosh, shut up. Now, um, <laughs> I have to go now and I've got something else to do. <laughs> I was already 70 in 1980. <laughs> I'm sorry, I don't even know why I said that. Oh, but anyway, I, I forgive you and I love you anyway. I appreciate but, it. So, anyway, what was the, what was the original question? Oh, <laughs> or did I just make up an answer? What's, what was going on? It doesn't matter anymore. Uh, I don't okay. even. Richard Richard Jenny was the first. Oh, well, that's how I met my husband, and then oh, he was right. funny. Yeah, okay, and he's yeah. funny, and then we get along, and then we've been married since 1988. Oh wow! Nice. Wow, that's yeah. incredible. Holy that's shit. good. Yeah, that is good. Um, you want to say hello? No, he doesn't yeah, want to say hello. Oh, you didn't want to say hello? Come no, say hi. Maybe he's in his bathing suit because we went swimming earlier. Okay, go. Oh, on. Wow, humble brag. Uh, I love that you guys good. swim so much. Yeah, in the pool. Well, I was going to play. I skipped my tennis group tonight because of you, you guys, because oh. I wanted to talk to you. Because usually Monday night is tennis night. Oh, thank but you. No. For doing that. I appreciate. No, no, I'm here talking to you, and, and I'm happy about it. So there, because it's I, fun. Thank you. Also, if we ever meet in person, I like playing tennis. So I will be. I, oh, I'll really? I love oh, tennis. Yeah, you, you're going to kick my ass in it, but I, I like playing tennis. Oh no, I'm very bad. I just really like. He just said she's terrible. I'm not <laughs> terrible. Well, you know, he's this guy. He's the guy. So one of the, when I first meet him, we're in Australia. Well, no. Okay, I'll tell you the whole story. So he had a girlfriend. And I had a boyfriend. Mm -hmm, and okay. then, um, and also he, when I first worked for him in the Edinburgh Festival, he smoked. And I just couldn't stand smoke anymore because right. I was in the comedy clubs all the time. And I would come home smelling like cigarettes all the time because there was no rule were no rules in that time and people yeah. just blow smoke up on on the stage so i said I, I can't be with anyone who smokes and even though he was very nice i had a, a very i had a boyfriend who was bad in every way but he didn't smoke so um <laughs> anyway so he had this girlfriend and then but he, we were always friends and whenever he came through new york he'd take me to dinner take me to a show because he was living on Australia now to get away from his mother because that's another story. But um, <laughs> so we would write letters. Remember letters? Oh, yeah. Letters. Mm -hmm. 
And and then I would write him and he was in write me letters from Australia. And then he kept saying, come to Australia because it's fun. And I said, I have a boyfriend. I don't And then one day he said, come to Australia. And I just broke it up with my boyfriend. I said, okay, let's just go. It's Christmas. And I'm just going to, I've known him for years. He's a nice guy. Everyone loves going. He took two other groups to Australia without me because he was doing all these tours and I didn't want to go. Wow. So I moved, I went to Australia and I, he, Martin had stopped smoking because he thought that he was having a pain in his side and he's a big hypochondriac and he thought he was going to die, but it turned out he wasn't drinking enough water. But by that time, he'd already stopped smoking. <laughs> so, so I said, well, he's, you know, sometimes it's things happen for a good thing. He, yeah, he yep. started drinking water and he stopped smoking and the pain went away. Wow. So um, then I moved in with him and then that was that. <laughs> I love it. I'm... I'm uh, Wait, wait, wait. No, we were on tennis. So oh, what yeah, happened yeah. was, so he, it was, the show was such a bomb. Mm -hmm. And because it wasn't because we weren't funny, but it was this one. And I'm going to get this right. It was me, Richard, Jenny, and Larry Amaros. Okay. And we were in the Gold Coast of Australia. Oh. And he didn't know this, but nobody wanted this theater to be built because they wanted a dam uh, and because they were needed something with their water, and okay. instead they built the theater. So everyone was boycotting the theater, and all the taxi drivers would refuse to take anybody to the theater because <laughs> they were boycotting it. So it, we lost a fortune, and I moved in with him um, to this gorgeous apartment that he rented in a high rise. Wow. And it was really fun. So if you can get along with somebody and fall in love when they're losing all of their money, you know it's real. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> a... Anyone can fall in love when you're making money. Yep. But to fall in love when you're losing money, that's really tricky. So, oh, um, And then there was a tennis court downstairs. And one of his friends was playing tennis. And his girlfriend was in town. And we decided to play doubles. So we go down. And his, this, my, his friend's girlfriend had never played tennis before. Mm -hmm. And I said, be easy on her. Hit the balls to him. Cause he, and Martin said, no, I want to win. And just started slamming the balls at the girl <laughs> that played tennis. And I married him. So this is how he plays tennis. So that's why I can't play with him. Oh, my God. I love that. And I'm, he does gonna... all these tricky spins where it goes backwards and for, oh, oh, forget it. Oh, that's fantastic. But I love him anyway. I'm I'm hooked on uh, the letters thing because I can't imagine what that must have been like. Not know like if I text somebody that I'm dating and I don't hear from them in an hour, I'm like, oh, they fucking hate me. You know what I mean? Oh, like that's yeah, like, I but know. letters Nothing, is like it's immediate gratification. Now there was not immediate gratification. Yeah. Was, yeah. Um, what? What? <laughs> yeah. There was the letters, and it was denied. Wait, what's that? There's another word that I can't think of, but we would call each other and we would say important things because I was calling him from Australia um, and he was calling me from Australia. So, you know, you don't want to just meander. No, no, I wasn't in Australia. I was in, <laughs> I was in Los Angeles. Oh, okay. I was going to say, I was like, yeah, but I feel like they can't possibly charge No, I was in LA and he was in Australia. Well, you know what I mean? So I <laughs> we would have, it's, it's like when I used to rent tennis courts in um, the winter in New York, you ran for every ball because it was expensive. You right. know, when a court is free, you go, well, that ball's over there. I'm not going for it. But when you're paying for the court, you have to really try to hit every ball. So that's the same yeah. thing when you're talking long distance to Australia. You have to say things that are meaningful. And then um, he, he, I moved in. He moved in with me. He, and then one day he looked and he said, my green card is running out. Let's get married. And then it was so romantic. We got married at a oh. courthouse. Wow. wow. But there's That's a whole story in the book, but it was, that was really, we were going to get married this one day, but he couldn't find a parking space. So we didn't get married that day. <laughs> he couldn't find a space. He said, ah, a few little swear words in there. Yeah, yeah. And then we got married a different day when he could find parking. <laughs> <laughs> but economical. at that point, you know, we didn't have any, I didn't want a wedding. I said, it's unnatural for me to stand with my back to the audience. Yeah. So, you know, and when you get married, everyone's back there and you're facing yeah. this way. I can't do that. And yeah. the last thing I want to do is get in a gown. Oh, my God. Every night I'm in a gown. Right. So we just got married. I was in shorts. Fantastic. Oh, my God. That is I love that's the best love story I think I've ever heard. How have you not made a movie about that? 
Oh, I, there's so many ways they haven't made a movie about that. I can't even begin. <laughs> <laughs> I can't begin to tell you. But we oh. did get married at this courthouse. And this lady said, I have two services, Phyllis, with the blue eyeshadow. I have two services available to you today, a religious and a civil. Which one would you prefer? <laughs> and I said, which everyone comes with fries. And I was a comedian, so I had to say that. And then I started crying. And Martin is English. And he said, whatever you do, don't cry. And then I just started crying. And Martin said, what floor are the divorces on? <laughs> and we've been happy ever since. And I was wearing my skin. I bought, you know, I bought a at those point, at that point, we had disposable cameras. Remember the paper? Yeah. You don't even know the paper no, camera. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And... Well, we had two. We had one that was brand new, and one that one that had one um, picture left in it. And we accidentally bought the one that had only one picture in it to our wedding. So the picture from our wedding is in the gift shop, and there's a woman behind me in front of a refrigerator drinking a Coca Cola. <laughs> my favorite thing. I'll go get it, Martin. Please. It's in my bathroom. You want to? Do you want to go get the? He's gonna go get it. It's oh, my wedding picture. I love that's it. So great. Hmm. Did you? So now, when you started out doing stand up, did you have anybody that you admired coming up that you that you idolized that you tried to emulate? Weirdly, I liked. Well, I liked Woody Allen because yeah. I was a quiet Jewish person, mm -hmm. and he was a quiet Jewish person, and I liked that for most of his jokes, the majority that you didn't have to be a man or a woman. They were just funny. Right. Yeah. So I said, let's listen to him and see how he does it. And I used to sit there with the record and diagram the jokes about where the laughs came. Oh, and wow. It's out of focus too. Okay. This is us and the woman behind me. Wait, oh, did I do it right? Hold it up a little higher. A little higher. A little higher. A little higher. Oh, oh there. Right there. Oh my God. That's me in my wedding sweater. <laughs> and that's Martin. He wore his blue suit and his tie. And that's the woman drinking the Coke in back of us at the refrigerator. That's our oh wedding picture. God. That's oh, incredible. <laughs> What's great about that photo is if you two would have went missing, prime suspect, that woman. They would have found that <laughs> <one> <laughs> photo. <laughs> that's I've it. Never... That's you have to call. Oh my God. I love that. That's like the first photo bomb, I think. Mm. Oh, yeah, it is. And she didn't even know she's in our wedding picture. Yeah. <laughs> and we have to, this other picture that we have that I love because we I came home on New Year's Eve from we were in Australia mm -hmm. and somebody took a picture of us in the house and there are two people in the house and we don't know who they were. <laughs> <laughs> and we can't remember who they were. And they're just sitting sitting there in our house. So oh that's God. another picture that I enjoy. So I think you have to have a skewed sense. What was your question? <laughs> oh, the comedians. Oh, oh, the, yeah, the comedian that you and comedians I Comedians yeah. who I like. So Woody I Allen. love Woody Allen. I used to diagram his jokes going, where is the laugh? Why do people laugh? What mm -hmm. causes a laugh? Doing all the things because I found it interesting. And then for some reason, I remembered my mother liked Jack Benny. Oh, okay. And he was also somebody who didn't look funny and was understated. And I said, I started going to the Museum of Broadcasting, which at that point was a a room about as big as this, your office or this office, mm -hmm. now like the whole building. And I would get out the, um, the video tape, eight track, I don't know what kind of tapes. And I put them in the machine and I watch all the old Jack Benny shows and I tried to figure out why he was funny. Mm -hmm. So every day I, I created my own little comedy school. And every day I would go to, cause in New York, you could always do something where you could learn something. They would always have film festivals. And so I would go to Buster Keaton film festivals and um, Charlie Chaplin, who I didn't like as much as I liked Buster Keaton, even though he was more famous and figure out why I liked him. Jacques Tati, who I also thought was terrific. Um, Preston Sturgis, they had all these things. So I would always every day go to um, a different place and do a different thing to try to figure out how to be funny. Yeah. And this is a different comedy, right? The Smothers Brothers and things in the library. So that's how I kind of taught myself. And then at night I would go to the comedy clubs and, and try something and see if it was funny or not. Did you did you figure out why you liked um, Buster Keaton versus Chaplin? Because that's an interesting... Understatement. I love understatement, which was why I'm not more successful. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, you have to be obvious. Right. And I can't be obvious. Even when I'm trying to be obvious, I'm not obvious. And it makes me so angry. People say the understated reader, and I'm trying so hard to be... Stated. Overstated. And I can't do it. <laughs> 
Yeah. No, I mean, but I feel like that's what makes those jokes and your your uh, uh you know your stand up so it hits so much harder though because it's like it, stand up's always supposed to be a twist and a surprise, but yours mm -hmm. is double that because you are understated and you don't you never see it coming. Like it just it's a beautiful like hit to jab to the gut. I try all the time. That's what I really try and instill. Whenever I talk to another comedian, it's always the greatest thrill to think of a new joke. I just oh. love thinking of a new joke. It's my still my favorite thing. However, Martin and I, as you said, we write movies and we've written lots of movies yeah. and we've written plays and we're doing a new play oh. at the Laguna Playhouse because I have a house near there and I don't like to travel. So we're, and it's fun because I, I do New Year's Eve there too because they do it with New York and I'm home by 10 o'clock. But oh, no. I don't like to go to parties to stay out late. Another reason I'm not successful. I mean, I was successful, but... <laughs> Anyway, right. so we're do we write comedy plays. We did one in New York um, that transferred to New York two years ago, right before the pandemic. That was mm. really funny, and um, I just like to do things that are funny. Do you like? I mean, what was it uh, a switch that you have to turn on and off between like a stand-up mind writing jokes like that, and then to plays and stuff like that, and incorporating it because you're, they are very funny and you are very good at it. But is it something you have to consciously turn on and off when you're working on different projects? It's so different, you know. It's the difference between panel funny and joke funny, mm -hmm. you know, when you, you go on a TV show and then you sit down and conversation funny to somebody is different from a joke funny because a joke sure, funny yeah. has to go further than panel funny. And um, comedy has to come more from a character in a play than it does from a surprise. Mm -hmm. So, you know, everything's different, but I find it, and I find all that fascinating, which is good because otherwise I'm too old to be a dancer. So <laughs> it's fascinating. Is there one you preferred more than the other at different times? Stand up is always my favorite because nice. I gotta remember so many lines when you do these shows. And um, I did a show with a really uh, good actor called Charles uh, Shaughnessy. And mm -hmm. he was the um, the 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 person in the nanny, the father in the nanny, yep. yep. friend right here. And he and Martin went to school together, so oh, wow. that's how we talked him into being in a play with me. <laughs> 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 Otherwise, he was ah. so. Um, it was this called. Somebody sent me this play, and it was called Act Three. And Martin and I really liked it, and Martin directed it, and. It was all these letters that I had to memorize and do mm. it in order. And you know, I was playing two different characters and one had this voice and one had that voice. And it was really fun to do, but so scary. So one day during the preview, I accidentally did the last letter in the show in the middle of the show and there was nowhere to go with it. And everybody just stood there. And finally, I just had to break character and said, I've made a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have to go back now. And um, Charles said, I was on the other side of the stage going, I didn't know what to do. And Martin was coming out and he came out from the wings and said, I'm so angry at her now. And, <laughs> and then the playwright came and said, do this every night. This is the best it's ever play has ever gone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. It was it was just it was just horrible, but it was funny. But it was mm. a preview. I didn't mess up during the um the actual show. But you know, you have to when I do my show, like I'm talking to you, I can just be me. Sure. And if I mess up something, I can do ah, ah. but <laughs> like the first time when I came back after the pandemic and I did my first show in, in like a year and a half or something, and it was a casino in San Diego, and I started this joke at the beginning, and I couldn't remember the punchline. <laughs> to the audience, I said, it's been such a long time, and I just, I got this set up, and I know there's something that comes after it. Mm. And during this show, I'm going to do lots of other jokes, but I'm always <laughs> going to be thinking of what that punchline is. <laughs> and by the end of the show, I'm going to remember it. Sure. Uh, an hour later, at the end, I remembered the, <laughs> I remembered the punchline, <laughs> and everybody stood up and she, yeah, she remembered it. So I find that honesty is always the best thing. Yes. In, in comedy, because if you try to be phony, they sense it. So oh, I yeah. just honest. That's it. That's it. That's the best advice ever given. Is that my first heckler when they heckled me at the improv? I said, you know, I'm so new at this. I don't know what to do with you. Come back when I'm more experienced. Yeah. And um, 
And that worked and that got the audience with me. But that was the honest way. I just didn't want to say, I don't bother you at McDonald's when you do Oh, yeah, yeah. You know? So I just said, just come back later and I'll be able to deal with you. I never liked nice. those kind of like the 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 ones everybody had too. That I never I never go to your job and no no, yeah, no no I hated I that stuff. No, yeah, nothing. No no um pre what is it called prepackaged sentences. Right. No. Yeah. Did you did you see the recent thing that's going on in the news and everything? The viral video of it's a um a, a I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> <laughs> oh oh about the beer. Martin told me about yes. the beer. Can. Yes. Yeah. yeah. How terrible is that? I know, Bad that's with these people, anything goes. I had two people who I did a show in some place. It was in, where was it, Martin? South Carolina? Uh, yeah. And um, this, this woman wrote me a horrible letter and said, I had tickets to your show, but I read that you said something about, you know, I don't even say his name. And uh, I'm going to, I'm returning my tickets. And I just wrote back, good. You know, <laughs> but somebody else sit in the in the chairs. I, I don't need you. Right. But, yeah. um, people get so aggressive these days. And I, you know, how horrible that someone would. Throw, but I'm glad that this this woman is is prof, is prospering from it. Absolutely. But that's, you know, but I hope that that doesn't continue. I mean, I had little things like that happen because I forgot. I think it was me, Gilbert. And it was always me. It was the headliner, the middle act and the guy who had the car. So um, <laughs> we did the gig and we played this place where they had buck barrels of peanuts and they started throwing peanuts at us. Wow. Because yeah. it was fun. Yeah. And I wouldn't recommend that either. But it wasn't like a beer can, which can actually, you know, this was just humiliating and degrading. It wasn't mm -hmm. uh, physically harmful. Yeah. These yeah. people are getting bolder and bolder. And it's really kind of weird. It's a weird time to be doing that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's why I'm here safely in my office. In my office. <laughs> and he still, still is dangerous. He's right there. Yeah. And he's got a beer can. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I told you funny all the time. That's where we just play the color bars on the TV. And we're like, yeah. we've never even seen those before. Yeah. <laughs> I'm back. <laughs> oh my God. I um, did actually. There's, I don't know if you can see. See right here? Yeah. It's a little darker. I got hit by a tennis ball. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> I got hit by a tennis ball in the head. Recently? Um, last week. Yeah. Oh my I God. tried to cover it up. No, you but I didn't notice it. Did a great job. Out. Yeah. There it is. And then over here, I I have a scar because I um I was I was I didn't look when I was taking groceries out and I cut myself oh. on the head here and it was really bad. And um, Martin rushed me to the emergency room and I was just bleeding from the head because something evidently over here, it bleeds a lot. And yeah. they said yeah. they took me to the side and they said, OK, you can tell us the truth. How did he hit you? He's saving my life, and just and I was just bleeding, and poor Martin standing over there, and I just thought of I could really get even with him now for all the times that, that he yelled at me because I got lost and I couldn't read a map, and I told him to go left when it was right, and I said, but no, I, I was good, and I said no, I said no, I could hit my head on the on the cupboard door because I the cabinet door, and they said no, really, tell us, what yeah. yeah. <laughs> He's inches away from jail if you just hint, if you just I wink know, the wrong way. I yeah. Just, just if luckily we were really getting along, so yeah. I didn't want Imagine to. Imagine if you had something in your eye and you're like, no, everything's fine. Wink. <laughs> so well, I have the tennis ball, I have the thing. This is how I did it. So because I decided, because my daughter had a birthday and there was a helium balloon and I she left it at the party and I wanted to save it for her because uh so <laughs> I took the helium balloon and I put it in the trunk of the car and I while I was closing the trunk the helium balloon started falling out and I put my head on the and, and, and so there oh, that's yeah. not in the book. Wow. <laughs> Even for the paperback. Neither is the tennis ball. Oh, that's additional material. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. There, <laughs> there you go. go. <laughs> with five more pages of material yeah. um that's fantastic i want to thank you for uh for coming on and spending time with us i gotta ask you the same three questions i ask every guest that's been on the show so oh far. gosh i'm not, i'm gonna fail go on no. <laughs> <laughs> it's an israel palestine question so no, oh um, no i'm just <laughs> um we like to really surprise our guests no but uh so the first question is a bit of a soft oh do we have any questions from the you know yeah, what we, we did have a couple let's, only because i that. wanted to bring this up 
So the more I was asking, when did the writing start? And he said, Academy Awards, bravo. Like, when did that kick in for you? Well, um, I, it started out of necessity because I went and uh, I went to the improv and I started talking and I was allowed in after I auditioned and I wasn't on the street anymore. And I asked Steve Middleman, how much does comedy material start, uh, cost? Mm -hmm. And he said about $3,000 for five minutes and there's no guarantee it will be funny. <laughs> and I said, <laughs> well, I guess I should write my own. <laughs> and that's, that's how it started because that's what you have to do. Mm -hmm. And then the Academy Awards, Steve Martin actually called me up. I didn't even know he knew who I was and asked me to be one of the writers on the Academy Awards. And I said, but Steve, I've never written for anybody except me. I don't know how to do it. And he said, it's so easy. You write for yourself and then you give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> I said, oh, okay. And I said, but if it's not funny, I'm going to feel bad. And he said, it will be my fault. So I said, okay. Then, And I was so much fun. I wrote with him and Bruce Valange and John Max, and we would go to his house, and it was just the best time. And he's one of my my absolute favorite people and performers, and I think he's a genius. No, was that the question? Did I pass? Well, no, no, that was a question from the audience. I haven't gotten to the three oh, yet. But well, that's yeah. the only one I want to answer. <laughs> <laughs> because I got it right. Yeah, you'll get the other ones right. It's fine. Oh well, no, it's pressure. It's not. You'll be you'll be great. So the first one's a softball one, so it's not too bad. So it's uh, if you could go back in time and talk to your younger self and give yourself a piece of advice that would help you today, what would it be? <laughs> Always bring a sweater. <laughs> Bravo. Okay, thank you. Beautiful. Love you. You don't know. You don't just don't know. It could Absolutely. be hot outside, but you go in the movie theater's air conditioned. Yeah. Oh, good point. Very good. Always point. bring a sweater. Yeah. I feel like you and my mother would get along. Good advice. Um, <laughs> my wife. <laughs> Hoping. Uh, so, um, second question is That's another strike against you. You were born in 1983, and I'm getting along with my mother. <laughs> no, no. I compared no. you to my wife. I meant. <laughs> Come back. At least bring the dog. Um, <laughs> has left the building. <laughs> I love this. Oh, she disappeared. Oh, there we go. Oh, yeah. my God. What a baby. What a She's good dog. She's adorable. Isn't she? She's my little girl. She Can and you I have believe to... somebody found this dog, left this dog on the street? Unbelievable. She and I have the same hair when we both wake up from a nap. <laughs> she's, she's a bleach blonde. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so second question is, what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? I don't understand the question. So what, so what, is, what in your life had to end, like stop happening, what did good or bad? My life had to stop happening, go on. That, that led you to where you are today, good or bad? So whatever had to end. Like a relationship. I have, still uh, have no idea what you're saying. <laughs> so like, <laughs> I see laughing at the back. So wait, so, wait, wait, something no, ended. Wait, here's the thing. I'm wait, gonna cut Mark, what, what? What's going on? What? Oh, okay. I had to. He gave me the answer. Say it oh, again. Okay. Say okay, the question. So what had to end in your life, good or bad, that led you to where you are today? I had to, Martin just told me I had to stop dating bad men. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's a, and, nice job, and then, Martin. And then, yeah, good, good job, Martin. Thank you. Um, and the and the last question is uh, if this was a genuine dystopia, um, and more so than it is now, uh, and there was you could either have your choice of a government collapse, aliens, zombies, a comet heading toward the Earth. Or climate change, change, anything, anything. But you wake up and you know, and everybody knows it's their last day on Earth. What oh, this your... is so depressing. No, no, no. It's gonna no, but it could be whatever so you want. Fun. Okay, keep going. <laughs> but it's everybody knows. Everybody, it's everybody's last day. What would be your? How would you want to go out? What would be your epic death? I would have a lot of ice cream. All right. Okay. I enjoy ice cream. That's a... You look like it's like I'm gonna make this happen. I'm not. It's I do. I just. I would, Martin. What's a better answer than that? If it was the last day on earth, what would I do? I'd probably play tennis. Go <laughs> swimming. Walk my dog. Martin said he would start smoking again. You're never smoking again. Wow. No more smoking. Well, I know you guys would be having an argument. Conducts the orchestra. 
<laughs> ask her, ask Betsy a question. Ask her if she knows the answer. What is the best dog treat to eat for a human? I know. Um, <laughs> I I know. That means I know. She can swim. <laughs> Martin said, "When did I?" Oh wait. Oh no. You're here. We here. We see you. You're here. You're, you're still here. Oh, did she? Did she make you guys disappear? It's okay. Yeah. You're still here. Betsy turned the camera off. We can still no you. We can still we see can you. See you and hear you. you. Okay. Well, this is just very dystopian. Yeah. You're not, you're not, I'm looking at a black screen, and it's the end of the world. Oh, it's so depressing. Get That's ready to I'm swim. Okay. Oh. Yeah. Let's get the rackets. This is my turn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, there's my, on my. You should see what's on my screen now. This is when I had to zip line with my daughter. You oh, were ziplining? Oh, there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I did everything with my daughter because Martin won't do anything athletic because oh. he's English. And he's <laughs> his idea that exercise is to read very fast. Where's so that? Um, <laughs> I did all the, the the water surfing and the paddle boarding and the kayaking and the ziplining. And I'm the, I'm the athletic girl. Nice. Where's Martin awesome. from in England? He's from London. Oh, London. Okay. My grandfather was from Brighton. Oh, I love Brighton. He took me to Brighton. Oh, nice. We have a picture where we're at the beach sitting on the stones looking for the sun. Oh, that's beautiful. Is there somebody with a can of Coke behind you? No, no, that's, <laughs> that's special. Okay, that's the only one. Well, that's... this was so much fun, and I'm sorry if I didn't answer the questions right. But... Oh, no, you, you were per it. beyond perfect. Absolutely. Oh, okay. Well, well, it was very fun talking to both of you. I really enjoyed it, and it was worth, worth, worth missing. That's hard to say. Tennis tonight. Oh, thank, thank you so you much. So that means much. a lot. Right here, no, which right here. This right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I will make sure we get the book out there. We'll absolutely plug it, and I, I can't wait to see you live. I hope you're going to be over on the East Coast soon. Thank yeah, you so much. Do. Have a nice whatever day it is, and don't be dystopian. Okay, thanks so much. <laughs> have a great one. Take Take I look like I have a beard. Yeah. <laughs> 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 oh my god! Take care. Bye. Dystopia tonight.